Hey, before we get into the Bibles, if you've got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 1. But last week, if you remember, we encourage you not only to be first and foremost a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, but a citizen of the United States of America. And uh, we've got voter registration table. You've got just a couple weeks. There's voting in no- November. I've, I'm going to vote to try to get the knuckleheads out and get some people with some, uh, some sense in there. We are bankrupting our nation. Our, our values have slidden. And uh, you can't vote and have a voice unless you're registered. We'll make it real easy, Arkansas and Texas. There's something on the screen, too. Uh, I showed this last week. If you did not get one of these little cards, take a picture of it with your phone right now. Uh, this is the best 30-minute presentation I have ever heard on forms of government and why American, our Constitution, is the best and the forms of economic systems. I think every child should get this. They are not getting it by and large in public schools or anywhere else in our culture. And at that table, they've also got a DVD if you want to get it on DV or a copy of the Constitution. So we want to help you be first and foremost a better citizen of the kingdom of heaven, but secondly, a, a, a citizen of the old USA. Aren't you glad we live here? Come on, give the Lord a good hand for the freedom that we enjoy. Well, we're doing a series called Your Best Life Now. I mean, for the Christian, if there's crisis, if there's sickness, you know, if you can't get ahead, if life is overwhelming, you, you, you kind of want to go to heaven. But we want blessings in this life, not just to wait for heaven. And there's a way if we'll follow God's ways. So this series, uh, uh, our best life now is by following God's ways. You remember, I've got a couple of pictures here to show you. The first week, we talked about a contrast from Psalm chapter 1. And Psalm chapter 1 uh, contrasts the way of the godly, which is to the left, and the way of the, uh, it's called the wicked, but those that go the world's way. And it looks kind of the same at the starting. And you may even find as you get over that first hill, both will find blessings, both will find hardship. You can find blessing going the world's way. There's many people that are just wealthy that just never think about God, that don't care. But how many know at the end of the path, (laughs) there's a day of reckoning coming? So God's ways are always better. Now, last week we talked about living with eternity in mind. Uh, another little picture here coming up. Yeah, so there, the, we, we talked about living each day conscious of the fact that one day we're going to stand before God and we want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because virtually everything on this earth that we see and touch is temporary and it's not lasting. That doesn't mean we can't enjoy it. It doesn't mean it's not bad per se, but we want to live with the eternal in mind. Now to, today, Um, Go ahead, put the last picture up here. Um, What do you think about that one? Sexual choices. America is confused. The road to the left is God's way. It's called purity and marriage. The road to the right is called sexual immorality. And again, it may appear looks good just right around the corner, but ultimately you're headed in the wrong direction. So today I want to have a candid conversation with you uh, about what the Bible has to say about sex, sex in the Bible. And I'll make a deal with you. If I'm going to do my best not to make you uncomfortable, uh, if you will do your best and not to make me blush. But uh, my wife is at a, 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 a conference for the uh, ministry we support in Israel, and she's coming home, be home late tonight, and my, I left my iPad in her car. But another reason I have my computer, so is if you make my face turn red, I'm going to have something to hide behind. But uh, no, seriously, I think today will we'll help you uh, in a very special way. If I was married, I would kind of get just a little bit closer and, you know, you might want to hold hands or bump knees or something. But anyway, here we go. Sexual choices, God's way, this is the title, or the world's way. Because they're vastly different, and I think you're going to see that today. First thing I want to talk to you about, first of all, sex is God's idea. God designed us with sex in mind. You might have been taught sex is dirty. Certainly sex should be private. 
but you might have been taught that sex is not dirty. God was not embarrassed when Adam and Eve stood before him naked and they were unashamed and he was unashamed. But our world has flipped that upside down. But I want to read back in Genesis and I want to think about how God created us male and female. Genesis 1:27 God created man or human beings in his own image. Now that doesn't mean that God is a white guy that's six foot tall, but what it means is that God gave us the capacity to reason, the capacity to love, the capacity to have feelings, to know the difference between right and wrong. God has shared a portion of who he is with us. We are not God, okay? But God has created us in his image. And notice what he said, male and female, he created them. And you just look at any biology book and you, well, it is no telling what's in the secular biology books now about male and female. But when I was going through it, it was pretty clear who was a man and who was a woman. But look at verse 28, God blessed them. God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, what does that mean? Be fruitful. In other words, have children. And God designed us so that a man and a woman could come together in sexual intercourse and uh, have children. It, it, it was God's design that way. Genesis 2.24 further uh, acknowledges this. A man shall leave his father and mother, male and female, hold fast to his wife, and they'll become one flesh, which is a picture of sexual intercourse between a man and a woman. So God designed our bodies to enjoy the sexual experience as well as having children. Uh, if God had designed the sexual experience so uh, sex made you feel like you have an ingrown toenail, how many know we wouldn't have many people walking on the earth? But he didn't. Now, if you don't believe in God, now particularly if you're listening online, I'm glad you're listening, but if you don't believe in God and somebody twisted your arm to come to church, I want to tell you it takes a lot of faith to believe that evolution created men and women with the body parts that we have, come on now, and gave us the hormones and the attraction. It is normal for a human being to be attracted to another human being, for a man to be attracted to a woman. It is not normal for a man to be sexually attracted to a goat or a cow or a dog. That is not normal. It's called bestiality in the Bible. But, 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 but God created us this way. The New Testament affirms it as well. And for those that don't believe in God, I tell you, it's a pretty big step of faith. It makes evolution seem to me like it's got a brain. Come on now, and it's deliberate. Let <laughs> I me mean, know if there's a creation, there's got to be a creator. And evolution was just the hook to secular and the devil to be able to turn life away from God, just like Darwin did, and, 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 and of course, anyway. But uh, the New Testament affirms that sex is God's idea as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2, um, it says this, because there is so much sexual immorality. Now, that's a word we're going to come back to and define several times tonight, but how many know if there's sexual immorality, there is sexual morality? There is the pathway of God's choice, which is sexual morality. There's the world's choice, which is immorality. Notice what it says. Each man should have his own wife, male and female, and each woman should have her own husband. And the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs, and the wife should fulfill her husband's sexual needs. So if your knee is close, you might bump there, man and wife. So sex between a married man and woman is an ex in an exclusive relationship is the creator's idea. Now, let's keep on that basis that sex is a good thing. God put boundaries around the sexual experience, and he did it for our good. Now, here's where the, wor the world does everything in its power to erase every sexual boundary that there is. 
I mean, there are forces uh, uh, trying to legitimize pedophilia. I, I mean, it's just, it's just everything in the world. But let's read the starting place, Hebrews 13, 4. And I like the way this, this says it. Honor marriage. Now, what does that mean? That means that husband and wife should honor the sacredness because the Bible teaches that our marriage is a depiction of Christ and his bride. But as a society and a culture, we should honor marriage, the union of a husband and wife. Um, uh, when we become immoral, we're not honoring marriage. And uh, anyway, honor marriage, guard the sacredness of sexual intimacy between husband and wife. Now, what an interesting word, the sacredness. It, 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 in the appeal of our culture today, it's all about feeling. It's all about experiences. It's all about, you know, whatever. But, but there's a sacredness between husband and wife. Uh, God, and, and the verse goes on to say, God draws a firm line against casual and illicit sex. Now, this is what the world offers us uh, everywhere. Um, again, this word we're talking about, sexual immorality, casual and illicit sex. 1 Corinthians 9 says this, and, and this is a strong statement. The unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, before we go any further, who would say, I want to inherit the kingdom of God? Yeah, the rest of you, a bunch of fibers or your arms are just tired. I don't know what it is. I pulled weeds for about an hour and a half today, and I, wouldn't, I was sweating pretty good there. But, but, but everyone wants to inherit the kingdom of God. Even the atheist, if he or, he or she would be honest and say, God may exist. <laughs> I want to go to heaven. I want to be a part of his kingdom. So, but the unrighteous won't inherit it. Don't be deceived. And this is what most of the world is. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality will inherit the kingdom of God. Now put salvation aside just a second. Put forgiveness aside just a second. How many know there's no sin God can't forgive, okay? All of us in this room are probably guilty in some fashion today. But yet, when the Bible makes strong statements like this, I don't want to just push them aside. I don't, I don't want to treat them lightly. I want to see the significance that God ascribes to it. So, uh, sadly, what the Bible forbids, our culture encourages. Uh, sex and sexual temptation are normalized everywhere. It is the virgin that's made fun of on television, not the sexually immoral. Um, it's everywhere. It's on our TV. It's on our movies. It's on our phone. It's even enshrined in our laws of pornography. And tragically, it is encouraged in some school curriculums for young children. I am not privy to what our local schools teach children in terms of sex education, but I certainly hope it's on the side of, 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 of sexual morality as opposed to sexual immorality. I read something this week that, that made me quite angry. Uh, one of my favorite grandpa television shows is Paw Patrol. How many Paw Patrol viewers out there? Well, anyway, you know, the kids love it. I read this week that Paw Patrol is introducing what's called a non-binary character. And binary means you identify as a man or a woman. So even this little show, uh, let me ask you what, why? What is the reason that our culture has to push this on children? What is the reason our culture is pushing so hard about transgenderism? And <laughs> California, their legislature, listen, I don't know what the governor is going to sign it or not, but their legislature voted that if a parent tried to interfere in a child's transgenderism and their, uh, you know, figuring out if they're a boy or a girl, that parent could be uh, uh, arrested for child endangerment or child abuse. We have gone off the tracks. There are multitudes of honest scientists, doctors, pediatricians that have said we have gone nuts 
but our culture is still pushing this at younger and younger years. If that law passed and the government signed it, if I lived in California, I would move. Now, the word sexually immoral is from the Greek word porneia. Porneia, and it's a very simple definition, every kind of unlawful sexual intercourse. It is the broadest word used in the Bible about sexual morality. Every kind of unlawful. So whose laws are we referring to? God's laws, not the laws of man. And I thought I would try out something. I was going to ask Siri what sexual immorality was. I must tell you, I was shocked. Listen, this is true. Here's what Siri said. Sexual immorality is to neglect and defy God's law of sexual relations. I didn't have to go to the bottom of the page to find that. That's the first pop-up with Siri. Siri told me there are consequences of becoming a slave to your passions when we succumb to the temptation of sexual immorality. I think Siri is near salvation. I mean, I was shocked. Now, let me say this too. God's boundary around our sexual experience is not meant to be mean. It's not to be a killjoy. It's not to take away pleasure, but it is to protect us. You say, well, you, you must have never had sex, preacher. Well, I have a time or two. Um, you remember when God put a boundary around a tree in the Garden of Eden? He didn't put a barbed wire fence around it. He said, you make a choice. But if you eat the fruit of this tree, the day you eat, you will die. And all the evil and wickedness and tornadoes and hurricanes and everything evil came into the world when they ate from that tree. And I want to suggest to you, God's put a boundary around sex as well. You say, well, what could be wrong, preacher? Well, let's start with sexually transmitted diseases. Do you know there's some that cannot be cured and there's some that can prevent you from having children uh, how about an unwanted pregnancy, and then you get the pressure of an abortion? Uh, you could get divorced. I, I, I don't know if my wife would kill me first or divorce me <laughs> if I had an affair. I'll ask her tomorrow. She'll be here in the morning. <laughs> your reputation would be destroyed. Now, now, it would be applauded by some of your friends, your ungodly friends, but, 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 in many, many respects, our reputation is destroyed. You say, well, uh, who, 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 preacher? How about David? David in Bathsheba? Now, David had another mistake going. David was a polygamist. Just because David was a man after God's own heart doesn't mean God approved of polygamy. How many know Moses granted divorce for the hardness of men's hearts? And Moses was one of the greatest men that ever lived. So, you know, God sometimes allows even people that are godly. Anyway, he was a polygamist and lust controlled him. He's on top of the roof of his house. He sees this woman bathing. He says, go get her for me. She comes and lo and behold, she gets pregnant. So, okay, so what's he going to do now? He can't take, she can't take the morning after pill. What's she going to do? Well, I tell you what David does. He, he, he connives. He brings her husband home, tries to get her to sleep with uh, uh, him to sleep with his wife. He won't do it. So then he has her husband killed. And then Nathan the prophet exposes him in front of everybody. And then he releases in his family more immorality. One of his sons raped one of his daughters and the brother of the, the half-brother, and the half-brother killed the brother that raped his daughter. It, like, it introduced something in the family. But listen to his reputation. It, 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 and this scripture has two different, both profound meanings. But Matthew 1, 6, Jesse, this is the genealogy of Jesus. Jesse was the father of David the king. 
David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And who was that? Bathsheba. So here this man who was described as one of the godliest men after God's own heart had this little tagline on the end of his life, except for the sin of Bathsheba. Now let me say this. Sexual sin can be forgiven. He, he made it into the genealogy of Christ now. Come on. Prostitutes did. We talked about that last week and, and others as well. But how many know there's always consequences with sin? And even though God can forgive me, they're not worth it. So what does the Bible say are sexual sins? If God is for sex and he's putting a boundary around the husband and the wife and purity before marriage, what does he say are sexual sins? I want to read a passage from 1 Thessalonians 4. It's actually eight verses, and I won't get to all of them, but it's a great little... uh, uh, We're going to look at a couple of them and see what they say. Brothers and sisters, we taught you how to live in a way that will please God. Now, how many would stop right there and say, I want to please God with my life? Sure. Sure. I taught you how to live in a way that pleased God. Verse 3, God wants you to be holy and stay away from sexual sins. So what does it mean to be holy? Holy means to be set apart to God and set apart from sexual sin. To be holy is to be set apart and live a pure life and then enjoy the experience in marriage. so it's, its holiness is set apart from the wrong and to God. Now, I want to talk to you about sexual sins of two natures. One, heterosexual first. Second, homosexual. And then I want to talk to you about pornography. Tell your neighbor, this is actually better than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay. It's going to get interesting, but then it's going to get practical. The first is heterosexual. What is that? Sex between opposite sex people, so a man and a woman. Galatians 5.19, he contrasts the works of the flesh with the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, he says, Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh are evident. First one, sexual immorality. It's the Greek word porneia. The New King James Uh, um, uh, uh, defines that word or translates that word as adultery and fornication. So what is adultery? Adultery is sex between a married person and someone other than their spouse. What is fornication? It is sex between a man and a woman who are not married or two teenagers who are not married, but people who are not married. And you say, well, you're a prude. What's the big deal? Ask David, if you think it's not going to cause a problem, it might, have not, it might have not have caused a problem yet, but it can cause a problem, friend. You say, well, I wear a condom. Well, condoms break, and condoms are still breaking God's law. So this is what you got to decide. Jesus said the greatest commandment was to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. So do I want to live to please God or do I want my passions to drive me? So that's clear, heterosexual. How about homosexual? Sex between people of the same sex. Very controversial in our society, but I simply want to address it by saying, what does the Bible say? What guidance does the Bible give us about homosexuality or same-sex attraction? I would refer you to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1. You really ought to read most of the whole chapter, but I'm going to focus in on a part of it here. Uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 24. Now the context is God's wrath against people who were practicing unrighteousness. And the sexual unrighteousness or sin is not the only part of it. You'll see there's a bunch of it in there, but listen to what is included. Romans 1.24 said, God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. I mean, just because you have the desire doesn't mean that it's right and healthy. Uh, as a result, they did 
vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. Now look at verse 28. They thought it foolish to acknowledge God. So God abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Now that's the Bible. That's not some strange translation that is an easily understood translation of the Bible when it speaks to what our world calls same-sex attraction and norm. And there are many, many other scriptures. So again, this is not just a heterosexual thing. It's a homosexual thing. God has called us to purity. Now let me make, just address a couple arguments. And there's scriptures throughout the Bible. Genesis all the way to Revelation. In case you wonder why the town Sodom and the word sodomy we used to have sodomy laws. They seem a little connected to me. But it's all the way through uh, uh, Revelation that we're using this word in the Bible, sexual immorality, porneia, the broadest sense of, a, 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 of our sexual life. So how about the argument that says, well, the, same, uh, the Supreme Court legalized same-sex marriage in 2015. Well, have you ever heard of the Dred Scott decision? It was made in 1857. And it legalized basically slavery in the westward expansion of America. How many know they made a mistake? How many know human lawgivers are different from God's laws? And they made a mistake on that one. Here's another one, and you hear this a lot. I feel a same-sex attraction. Well, just because you have a feeling doesn't make it right. Because what you're saying is, my feelings supersede the Bible. And here's what it all boils down to. Either the Bible is the Word of God, it's true, it shows us right and wrong, or it's not. And every human being gets to make a choice. If you're watching online, I love you, I hope you hadn't turned me off. But this is what it boils, it boils down to. And then if people say, well, I was born with a same-sex attraction... I would say, I was born to be an adulterer, but I'm not. I made a choice, two reasons. Number one is I love my wife, but number two is I fear God. And I may have an attraction of lust or a feeling towards someone else's wife or someone that's not even married, but my friend, just because I have the feeling does not make it right. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord here. Um, th this is what's happened in America. We have gotten rid of moral absolutes. Moral absolutes are moral teachings, boundaries of right and wrong that don't change with the culture and the times. They don't change with where we live. But they're absolutes given by God. And if you go to a secular university and suggest there's such a thing as moral absolutes, they will laugh at you or fail you in the class. Let's talk about pornography just a minute. What does the word pornography sound like? The Greek word porneia. Now, I want to read some things. that, uh, And if you, uh, you can see my notes on the webpage or you can even follow them along on your phone as I'm preaching. And I have a reference to this. It seemed like a solid one. But listen to some studies that he about, have done with, about pornography. The first study is, shows that pornography is progressive and addictive for many people. What does progressive mean? You show me just a little bit of skin, I want some more. You show me the whole thing. I want something perverse. It is addictive. It is like meth because of the... God gave you that special feeling. Come on now, when you have that special feeling. 
God did that. He created that in us. And when that special feeling gets attached to pornography, it will lead you down a path you often don't want to go. You will act out your fantasy often on children. The average age, now listen, this is a study, of first-time contact of pornography of sexual addicts is 11 years old. You better watch your kids because they're going to start down a path that could lead them towards sexual addiction in prison. Uh, Listen to this. Men who had purchased pornographic materials in the past year, in other words, whatever the books are called today, the magazines are watched online, they had a lower marital satisfaction, they had less satisfaction with fathering, being a dad, and less satisfaction with family life in general. In other other words, you have let an airbrushed woman or man, a picture of them, cause you to love less and have less of a close relationship with your family. Pornography on the Internet plays a significant role in divorce. Child molesters often use pornography to seduce their prey, to lower the inhibition of the victim, and serve as an instruction manual. This shocked me. There are 4.2 million pornographic websites. That represents 12% of all the websites in the world. 12% of every website. Listen to this. Every day there are 68 million search engine requests for pornographic material. That is one out of every four thing that you, I don't act, I don't use Google anymore. I use DuckDuckGo, but any, whatever your internet access is, one in four have to do with pornography. Yet in our nation, pornography is protected in the courts as free speech. Now, having said all I said, let me say this. All of us are probably guilty of sexual sin. Now, there may be a few angels out there. I am not one. But Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, it's better not to commit the act, but you need to recognize it's an issue in the heart. So I'll just leave that lay there. But I want to say one more thing, and I put it on the screen. If you are practicing either heterosexual or homosexual sin, you are welcome and will be loved at Church on the Rock. I want to say that one more time. If you are practicing heterosexual or homosexual sin, you are welcome and be loved. But don't just cut off right there. Let me add this. God can forgive you and help you change My hope is that you repent of sexual immorality and choose God's path of purity and biblical marriage. If I was caught in adultery, I would disqualify myself from standing behind this pulpit and being your pastor. Why should not any other leader in the church be held to the same standard? If you are going to be a leader in the house of God, you need to live a pure, a pure life. Now, the last couple of minutes here, very practical. You say, okay, preacher, I'm convinced now. How do I stay on the path of sexual purity? Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4. Remember, we were reading. It says, God wants each of you to learn to control your body. This is where the hard part is. Control your body in a way that is what? Holy and honorable, which means it's possible. Holy means to be set apart from sexual sin and set up, excuse me, apart to God. Now, I'm going to give you two ideas. The first is an offensive strategy, and the second is a defensive strategy. And I've got four or five things to tell you. The first one is offensive. The closer we are to God, the easier it is to say no to sin. And conversely, the further you are from God the easier it is to say yes to sin. That's why daily Bible reading and and, and prayer is so important to us. Here's a big one. You need to shine some light on temptation. 
How many know most of us, if you profess to be a Christian, don't go around bragging about your sexual exploits? But that does not mean, come on now, you're living in a fantasy world, you're addicted to porn, or you have something on the side. You need to shine some light on temptation and get it out of the dark and into the light. Say, what in the world are you talking about now? Proverbs 28, 13, people who conceal or hide their sin will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. Don't confess it on Facebook, okay? I'll tell you a real-life honest example in my life. This was probably, the best guess I have is 18 years ago. I found myself struggling with someone that I knew, and I was, my lust was growing. You say, who was it, preacher? None of your business. But it was real, and I did not like where it could potentially take me. I went to a pastor's gathering. Dr. Lacey was there, Sterling Lacey, and I pulled him aside before it started. And I said, could I share something with you in confidence and ask you to pray for me? And I told him, I am struggling with lust. Doesn't matter who it was, but I am struggling with lust, and I want to pray that God would deliver me and help me stay faithful to my wife and faithful to my calling and faithful to my God. He prayed for me. Now, we didn't go in front of the 15 preachers that were there. Pastor Miller is struggling with lust. (laughs) He and I prayed outdoors by ourselves, and I want to tell you, something broke. I'm telling you, this is, there's power, but you need to find a mature Christian. You need to share it with with, with someone. Here's a couple on the defensive strategy now. Here's the first one. Don't go to places where you're going to be tempted. If you were in the back seat of the car and the windows are fogged up, it is too late. If you decide to have most of your dates with a blanket, some isolated place, it is too late. Let me read you Proverbs. Do you know the book of Proverbs has about three chapters all about adultery? Let me give you just a quick synopsis of Proverbs 7. He said, I saw some naive young men, and one in particular lacked common sense. Now, I think this applies to women as well, but he lacked common sense. Notice now, he was near the house of an immoral woman strolling down the path by her house. He was somewhere he should not be. You say, well, pastor, I just, the, the, the way the machines make Dr. Pepper and Coke at the bar, I just, I, I, it, it must be more carbonation in it. And I just need my Dr. Pepper, pastor. I am not that stupid, and neither are you. If he wouldn't have strolled by the path of her house, look what happened, verse 10. Then his eyes got involved. She was seductively dressed. You know, Job said in the book of Job, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a woman. And he he was motivated by the fear of God. He's strolling down her path. She's seductively dressed, so he must have got pretty close to her. He could have gone the other way. She throws her arms around him and kissed him. Too late. She seduced him with her pretty speech and enticed him with her words on Facebook. He he followed her all at once. But then it says this. He was like a bird flying into his trap, little knowing it would cost him his life. For she has been the ruin of many. If you will guard where you go, physically and on the internet and on TV stations, I can tell in the first couple minutes of a TV show, I like to watch TV, I DVR TV shows, and I do it by the actor. 
Well, sometimes it's off clean channel, and sometimes you, you can just tell. If you let yourself be fed with that, I'm telling you, it's just like this kid walking down the wrong house. Well, let me wrap this up here. Here's the fourth one. Shut the doors where temptation comes in. Why would any married man want a regular Facebook contact with his old girlfriend? Or his new girlfriend, as far as that might go. <laughs> they tell me they'd like to meet me all the time. I don't know where my number, how they got my number. It comes on my, my ATT number. It just pops up there, and it used to be a little more vulgar, but now they've toned it down a little bit. Hi, how are you? <laughs> if if you're not in my phone, I'm hitting remove junk and delete junk. Anyway, shut the door where temptation comes in. And lastly, and this is a big one, don't be alone with someone you could be attracted to or is attracted to you. Now, uh, uh, former Vice President Pence, he said at one time, he said he would never be anywhere alone with a woman that wasn't his wife. And he was scorned and mocked and ridiculed because of that. And Many of us, because of our jobs or situations, I mean, you know, we're just with, you know, people of the opposite sex. Or maybe you have a same-sex attraction. You know, we're just around that environment uh, all the time. But listen, if you know there's something there, either in your heart or theirs, you don't need to be alone with them. You don't believe me? Ask Joseph in the Bible. Remember Joseph? Pharaoh's wife trying to seduce him, and what's he tell her? No, 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 no. But one day he goes into the house and nobody is there but her, and she tried to seduce him. He runs out of the house, leaves his coat there, and she goes to her husband, a woman scorned, and said, He tried to rape me, and he got thrown in prison. Well, anyway. I'm done. I don't think I turned too many shades of red. <laughs> put, put, put that picture back on the screen because I, I, I want to pray with you today. And you're not, I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hand. But all of us live in this world. And increasingly, your children are living in this world. And it's not enough just to tell your children don't do it. Particularly when their hormones start raging. Anything you can do to foster a personal relationship with God with your children is the best thing you can do to help your children live a sexually pure life. I'm telling you, that youth group is, Pastor Cole does a tremendous job with those kids. You, you, you want to foster your kid. If you can help your kid have their own relationship with Christ, so that they're thinking about it not just to please mom and dad, but so they can please God. You're going to help your children go on the right path. The path, the path for the best life is the pathway of purity in marriage. The path for an ultimately troubled life is the path of sexual immorality. I want you to bow your head, and again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. But I want you to be honest with God. You see, we've listened to what the Bible says about sexual choices. We know what our struggles are. Now, my question is, what path are you going to take? Are you going to choose God's way of purity in marriage or the world's way? It's up to you. I want us to pray right now, and I want you to pray for yourself if it's appropriate. Lord, forgive me if I'm on the wrong path. Because the starting place to get off the wrong path is to realize that you're on it. Something the world calls natural and normal is not. Ask the Lord to forgive you if you're on the wrong path. Then say this, say, Lord, would you help me change? Because it is so intertwined hormonally and gives me such pleasure. I don't have the willpower sometimes 
But I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, help me get on the right path. I hope you're praying this online. I want you to say, Lord, help me stay on the right path. Help me be sexually pure before my marriage, when I'm not married, and help me be faithful to my spouse after I am. So, Father, I ask you to bless everyone, starting with me in this room, with a desire to be pleasing to God when it comes to the sexual choices we make. Ask the Holy Spirit now to just fill you afresh. The Bible speaks of being filled with the Spirit. It's not just for spiritual gifts. I think it's for spiritual strength. Renew your commitment, friend, to Bible reading and prayer. It is the greatest offensive strategy you can have. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Everybody say it. Amen. All right, look, before we go, I want to shift in a totally different direction. And I want to talk about your personal relationship with God. I want to ask you a question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Let's forget all the sex stuff just a minute. And let's just boil it down and generalize it this way. The Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. They ate from the tree. God gave them the boot from the garden. But their sin DNA, if I can say that, was, affects every human being that's alive. And every human being, though God loves all of us, we're separated from God by our sin. And the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Death. It's physical death, but it's a spiritual death. And the Bible says... In John 3.16, the solution, God has made a provision so our sin can be forgiven and we can have a real personal relationship with God now and one day go to heaven. You say, Pastor, what do I have to do for that? Number one, you have to believe in Jesus Christ. Didn't Jesus say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, let me tell you what you believe about Jesus. I believe that he came from heaven. He was God incarnate. He lived a sinless life. He died not for his mistakes, but for our sin as a substitute. He took our place on the cross they buried him three days and after the third day that earthquake came and that rock just spit out from that tomb he was raised from the dead never to die again and the promise he gave us I am the first one and there will be many that will follow if they believe in me now let me say this about believing in Jesus believing in Jesus is not passive it's not just I believe it in my head it is an active following of Christ which means, here's another biblical word, I have to turn from my sins. I have to repent, is the Bible word, and turn to God. And as I believe in Jesus and turn to God, something supernatural happens in my life. God causes me to be born again or to be saved. And somehow, I cannot explain it, but the Spirit of God comes to live inside our life and helps us become the person God created us to be. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I feel like you're talking to me. Well, listen, there's a decision. You can believe about Jesus, but still be walking away from him. It's a deliberate, for me, it was August 15th, 1976, where I prayed a prayer in a Navy boot camp. I asked Christ to forgive me, come in my life, and I made a decision to follow Jesus. And maybe you need to make that same decision tonight. Maybe you're here today, and we're going to give you an opportunity in just a minute. We're going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to do something very bold. I'm going to ask you, if you want my prayers, I want to know who you are. I'm going to ask you to wave your hand. And what you're going to find is two things are going to happen. Number one, people are going to clap. Number two, you will have made your first step to stand up for Jesus. 
Because if you cannot stand up for Jesus in a church, you will never stand up for Jesus in the world. And then after, I'm going to go section by section. And then afterwards, we'll have you come to the cross and pray with the pastor. And it will be your step away from the world, stepping to God. So I'm going to start with this far section and say, is there anyone over here tonight? Say, Pastor John, listen. And you might have never committed your life to Christ before, or you may have gotten away from God. And you want to recommit your life to Christ. So either way, anyone in this section, say, pray for me, Pastor. I need to get my life right with God today. Anyone over there, say, pray for me. I I see your hand. Give both of those men a hand. God bless both of you. That takes courage. It takes courage. Anybody else, say, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God. Give him a big hand today. Give him a big hand today. I am proud of you, buddy. It takes courage to do that. Anybody here today, say, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God today. I don't want to leave this place not knowing for sure that I'm right with Christ. Anybody here today, say, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God. Pastor Travis, you need to get saved? All right, you're already saved. Anybody here today, say, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God today. I need to get my life right with God. You're not joining this church. You're simply making a step towards Jesus Christ, and we're the ones pointing. Anyone today? Last section, anyone say, pray for me. I need to get my life right with God today. All right, let's give a big hand to all those that raised their hands today. Let's all stand to our feet. And I'm going to ask those people that lifted their hand, I want you to come to the cross right now. Bring your friend with you. Bring your spouse with you if you want to. Bring somebody. Come on, get one of them one more big hand. And even if you didn't raise your hand and you want to come up to the cross and commit your life to Christ, come on up here right now. One of our pastors will pray for you. It's the best step you've ever made in your life. We'll give this man a big hand. Buddy, we're proud of you. We are proud of you. Come on, give this man a big hand. We are proud of you. Give this man a big hand. We are proud of you. Every step to Christ is the right step. Well, anyway, thank you for coming tonight. We're going to close with one last song. And uh, our prayer team is going to be up front. If you need prayer for anything, they'll pray with you. Or if you just want to kneel to pray, you can do that as well. But don't forget, if you need to register to vote or you want to get one of those CDs or information, they're in that middle table in the lobby as we're going out the doors. Prayer team, you come on up. And I want some Christians to come and stand behind these that are praying right now. Isn't that a beautiful sight? The Bible says angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. I love you. Thank you for coming tonight.